Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Who are you? Let me just ask you that again. Who are you? of a good relationship with intentions and goals is keeping in mind that the primary aim of setting and working towards those goals is to feel the way you want to feel. The external things we want to have and do and experience, those are your secondary goals, all of which will get you back to the whole cosmic point, experiencing your core desired feelings.
here's the diamond of it all. Knowing how you actually want to feel is the most potent form of clarity that you can have. And generating those feelings is the most powerfully creative thing that you can do with your life. It is your birthright to have your desires fulfilled. Every desire is a prayer. Desire is the underpinning of manifestation. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Daniel Laporte, Desires Divine. And as we open up 2020, I know that there are lots of resolutions that perhaps we didn't fulfill in 2019. And guess what? You got another chance. (laughs) You actually have another chance. And I guess we'll always have second chances if we're willing to let go of stuff from the past and use the energy that we've got circulating in our consciousness to move us forward. There's a lot happening on the global level. Um, It's all coming from us individually. At an individual level, based on the thoughts that you've been nurturing and how those have been vibrating, they've now reached a collective level. So don't go blaming just political leader. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. Yes, it's easy to blame political leadership for the state of affairs, but we also need to turn the finger to ourselves as well and ask, what have I done to contribute to that as well? Because if I've been ill-willed, if I've been peaceless, if I've been not peaceful with my relationships and of course that's going to set the tone that's going to set the tone for sure so taking into consideration that everything that's happening around us is one in the whole then we can be a little bit more accountable to the thoughts that we think and the words that we speak and the choices that we make knowing that they are all connected to the bigger picture starting with me So when we look at our lives, we look at relationships on a scale from 1 to 10. How are those doing with 10 rating the highest and the best? I'm going to give you a few seconds. Second, how how is your health doing on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being the best? How's your mind doing? Does it um, take negative things and make it positive, or does it take positive things and make it negative? How do you use your thinking capacity? And last but not least, how's your wealth? How's your money quota doing? Do you have enough? Is it flowing in like the Ganges? Scale from 1 to 10. And these four specific areas, relationship, health, mental state, and finance, have so much to do with the way that we're treating our own lives and the way that we think about ourselves and the world around us. Today I have a returning guest who's a, a man that I just love the work that he's doing, Ken Honda money and happiness expert. He's a best-selling self-development author in Japan with book sales surpassing 
7 million copies since 2001. His latest book is called Happy Money, The Japanese Art of Making Peace with Your Money. And Ken actually studied law at Waseda University in Tokyo. And his financial expertise comes from owning and managing several businesses, including an accountant company, a management consulting firm, and venture capital corporation as well. Now, his writings bridge the topics of finance and self-help. And I want you to underline that, finance and self-help. It's focusing on creating and generating personal wealth and happiness through deeper self-honesty. He provides ongoing support through mentoring programs, business seminars, therapeutic workshops, and more. Ken is the first person from Japan to be voted into the Transformational Leadership Council, which is a group of personal and professional development leaders. Today, we're privileged to welcome back our very special guest, Ken Honda. Are you all the way in Japan, Ken? I'm so excited. I just woke up, and it's... uh, uh it was dark when I woke up, and it's uh, I'm seeing a beautiful sunrise. So I'm it's so me. happy. It's me, um, Ken. Ken, it's me. It's me. It's all because of me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I really appreciate this opportunity, and I I feel so calm after listening to your voice, and I'm so happy to be back. Thank you for inviting oh. me back. Thank you for giving us your time. We know how busy you are. Now that the holiday celebrations are over and a lot of us around the world might have spent more than we had anticipated, have you got any suggestions for our listeners how they can deal with that now without stressing themselves out? (laughs) Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that I hear so many people, it's not just Japanese or Americans or Europeans, everywhere, people feel so much guilt around spending so I'm sure after Thanksgiving, Christmas, and, and you're afraid of um, looking at um, your bank statement or credit card report because you spent too much. You know, but uh, I, I've written a book uh, on happy money, and what it teaches is that uh, whatever you spend can either make you feel miserable or happy. So you spent uh, the money. That was a fact. So it's your choice to feel guilty about it or you feel happy about the money you spent, because I'm sure uh, you spent a lot of money on gifts or parties or dining out with your loved ones. So all the money was spent on happy money. So just remember and just try to have uh, this shift mm. in thinking. I spent too much. You know, instead, oh, the money I spent was so so worth it. How was that? Right. I love that. That's a really really good way of looking at the fact that I'm in the red. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. way of looking at it when you say, I spent, but I loved it. I get that. I get that. It's, you know, it's a really stressful time of the year for many people. And uh-huh. it might be a little bit challenging, Ken, for us to see happiness when financially we're not able to keep the lights on. Uh, so, right. So, and and we want to solve our money problems. And I'd love if you can share with us a little bit about, you know, things that you have in your book that we tend to look at money from a lack perspective, but you teach us to mm-hmm. look at money from an abundant perspective. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Thank you for asking. Uh, what's interesting is that money is ne- neutral. Money is just simply energy or just paper or coin. These days, it's, it's, it's more complicated because now we're using uh, Apple Pay and all the other things. So it's a, a somewhat complicating. But uh, when it comes down to uh, money and your life, you have a choice of looking at uh, your savings or debt 
in a totally different way. For example, uh, a lot of people feel burdened with their debt. But from me, debt is a trust that banks or your friends placed on you. So, um, mm -hmm. because, you know, think about it. When banks decided to give you a loan, uh, they believed that you're going to pay back. So, instead of feeling that it's a burden and it's a debt on you, lifting you down or bringing you down, why don't you feel that uh, debt can lift you up? Because it's a huge trust that mm. uh, somebody lives in you that you have this capability of paying back the money that they loan. So it's a trust and love. That's very powerful. You know, that is very powerful because we do have a choice, right, Ken, that, okay, so yes. I don't have the money to pay for the college intuition or the light, for example, but I still have an opportunity to come from a place in which it can still generate money. Um, for some people, the numbers never seem to add up, though, Ken. M maybe mm -hmm. they're single mothers or someone has just been laid off or they're just starting on in life with a six-figure college tuition debt. So no matter how mm -hmm. much money they bring in, it seems for some folks that their money is going out. Is there a formula mm -hmm. that can change that? Yes. First of all, you don't have to um, have this analogy that you're bleeding. Some, I, I hear so many funny yet very tragic expressions and, and the metaphors they're using. And uh, the other day, there's, um, um, I have a young man talking about his financial situation. And he he was almost like crying, and he told me, "Ken, I'm bleeding financially," <laughs> and you can see, <laughs> see literally, you know, somebody's bleeding out. You know, so it's not a fun metaphor. Uh, instead, sure. um, yeah, you can see things like um, more money is going out than coming in. You know, that's a neutral uh, statement. So don't think about it's bleeding out because you're gonna die with what, uh, the shock in two minutes. So. You have to relax about the situation because um, no matter how much debt you have right now, it's not yes. killing you. It's the thought that kills you. So nobody, oh. uh, you know, um, a lot of people think that uh, debt is going to kill you. But actually the guilt and uh, also the depression kills you. It's not the debt. So it's how, mm. how you interpret it to begin with. That is the first thing right. I want to share. And the okay. second thing is that... Uh, Yes, I have seen so many people turn around their financial situation in just a matter of a few weeks. So, um, you know, something happens, and uh, it could be uh, bankruptcy. It could be your dead uncle left some money. I've, I've heard so many miracle stories where your neighbor could help, uh, offer help. So when you're in a financial situation, that's when you have to learn how to ask for help. And we are so bad at asking for help. Yes, yes. So um, you've given so many workshops and seminars and uh, programs, and judging from what I've learned from you and understood who you are and how you represent your truth and the way you show mm -hmm. up in the world, you really want to help people to get out of this mental poverty, and you really yeah. want to see people utilize their time in a way that creates abundance. Um Practically breaking it down, let's say it'll take an individual maybe three months to break that pattern of thinking. Do you have any mm -hmm. suggestions as to what they can do during those three months where 
they're really still on the edge that the finances aren't coming in or there mm-hmm. isn't a relative that they can turn to for money? Or is it just accept the loss, get into a one-bedroom efficiency, work with yourself, mm-hmm. get over the status quo? What would you suggest that? Because right now, I know the world says America economically is doing great, but there's still a lot of people that are struggling, Ken, and they're not yeah. able to make ends meet. And they might be homeless after this interview is done. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, as much as I talk about philosophy of money, I'm a very practical mm-hmm. person. You know, I've been running business for over the last three decades, and I've been doing very well. And so the first stage, you, know, you, you have to put your mental health back in business because a lot of people feel uh, somewhat mild depression around money if you have financial problems. Uh, that mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, That could cause your divorce or um, a lot of frustrations in life. So first, I want to tell you that you don't have to struggle emotionally. Even if all the numbers don't add up, that doesn't mean that um, you have to be messed up emotionally too. So don't be influenced by uh, your financial situation. And uh, I want to give you a very quick and practical tip uh, that's taught by my mentor, Wahi Takeda, who is called Warren Buffett of Japan. He was once uh, one of the wealthiest Japanese investors. He taught me uh, there are only two things uh, that you have to remember. Arigato in, arigato out. When money comes mm-hmm. into your life, you can appreciate it. When money goes out, also appreciate it. So when money comes in, when you receive a check, you say arigato or thank you. And when you spend your money, also say arigato or thank you because somebody renders a service. So that means um, coming, money coming in, money going out, you both appreciate and appreciation is, uh, works wonders for you at this stage because once you start appreciating, you, you realize uh, that you forgot about appreciating life. And once you start mm-hmm. appreciating everything, you start this cycle of appreciation. And mind is a funny thing. You cannot appreciate and also get irritated at the same time. So focus on appreciation more. So keep saying arigato or thank you all the time. And if you mm-hmm. just keep doing that, your mentality shifts. And that is the beginning of your ter- financial turnaround, too. Mm. So is that where a lot of people talk about gratefulness and to be grateful? And there's been a lot of research that the more grateful we are, the more abundance will also find, that, find us? Yes. Yes, and mm. it's a mentality. And I'm not just saying uh, like a New Age philosophy that if you just are grateful, money will fall. No, it's not going to happen that way. You know, you have mm-hmm. to share what you have. I teach people how to discover their gifts, uh, what they're good at. So a lot of people fall into this financial mess because they're not making much money and they're spending too much. Uh, of course, numbers don't add up. So you have to increase your income by doing what you love or what you're good at. If you just keep doing what you're good at, uh, you're going to get a, a raise eventually, or you get a, uh, you're going to get some job offers um, somewhere else. Right. So that's right. you can right. in- increase your income. That's a good way of doing that. So, um, what do I, I, this is an interesting question. I don't think I even asked you in the last time we were on air together. So, mm-hmm. let's say you know you're doing great, um, and you've continued to move along as you always have. And somehow you do end up like that man who told you, you know, I'm bleeding here for money, um, where yes. 
you wake up and there is a significant loss in your savings. There's a significant loss in your financial comfort or status. Why does mm-hmm. that happen to some folks? What's the reason behind that? Did we become ungrateful along the journey and used up all that good karma or is it <laughs> something that's calling you and saying, okay, we've got more, but if I have more, then why is it that I had to lose so much? Uh-huh. I, I, I think of it uh, financial thing is it's almost like a uh, uh, diet. You know, uh, sometimes we need to go on a diet, and uh, um, mm. if we have more fat, we need to lose. And by losing money, we start appreciating what we have. Like if you're losing your uh, your loved ones, you appreciate her or him more. So, like the fact that you lost some chunk of money, that gives you a scare or just anxiety. And at the same time. Uh, you feel like, oh, but I still have this much left. Uh, I heard a story that uh, it's a Japanese man who inherited $30 million from his father. And he lost $20 million because of bad investment. Uh, judgment. Mm. And do you know what? He still had $10 million. But do you know what he did? He killed himself for the oh. shame. And also got depressed after losing $20 million precious dollars. So... Um, instead, he could have looked at it like, I still have $10 million, which is pretty enough numbers, right, for one person to live on. But he got depressed. Mm, that's so, so sad. So, yeah, so even if you lose $20 million, if you can yeah. focus on million you have or just uh, uh, $10,000 you have, your, your life is golden. So um, yes. I think when you put some chunk of money, I I always recommend people. This is a great opportunity to start appreciating what what is left in your life. Indeed, indeed. Now, as you know, um, as you might know, the world is really governed by a very small percentage of folks who are super wealthy. Um, I'm just going to mm-hmm. choose a number out of the bag. Let's just say 10% of the world is really, really super wealthy. So, these are the have not. Mm-hmm. These are the haves. These are the ones that you look at them and their palatial way of living. Uh, a friend of mine showed me a mansion in L.A. which was on sale for $118 million. And when the person showed me the house and says, oh, my gosh, can you believe that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to get that. And And, and it was just a moment, Ken. It was a moment in time where that second I says, oh, I would love that house for a retreat place. But then the other mm-hmm. person was, oh, that would never, I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, is that the way that we cut ourselves off? Do we cut off our fortune by never even thinking we could ever get to that level of unlimited abundance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very uh, interesting question. I talk about money container. We are born mm-hmm. with a certain size of money container. Some people are good at making money. Some people are not. That's a fact. So somebody like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, they had this big, huge uh, money container. Money container, some people, yeah. yeah. Some people are born with it, and others um, are not. So we really have to know who we are. I really love the, the beginning of your show, Who Are You? That's a, mm-hmm. a very simple but yet very profound question. I think there's a, always a reserved seat in life, and if you're trying to take on other people's seat, you know, uh, it's not going to happen. 
So you have to what find is- uh, where your reserved seat is because that's wow. what uh, what it's meant for you. And uh, um, you know, if you're just meant to live certain way, either you ha- you are against it or you kind of accept the fact and then um, stay happy with it. You know, like for example, oh, wow. I'm I'm not going to be a billionaire. Um, that's that's not my money container. But I can uh, make friends with billionaires who can do great for the world. So to that to do that, I need to have some some kind of financial independence. So that's why I was given financial independence at a very young age, and I didn't abuse it. So that's how I am thriving uh, on the fact that I I receive enough. And mm, so you have can... to ask yourself once again, what is it, what is enough for you? Right. You've got my intellect percolating because I'm going to go back a little bit to what you said earlier. You uh-huh. said some of us are just born with it. Um, let's yes. say we're born with a money container. Are you mm-hmm. telling me that perhaps there is just that 10 or 15% of the folks that are born with that karmic container? So how does the rest of the world deal with it? And 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 why would certain... Souls be born without food, shelter, clothing, or for example, the average person in Haiti makes two to three U.S. dollars per day to survive on. Is it that they're mm-hmm. born with that, or is there a karma that the soul is carrying that they've abused what they had in the in the previous life with their containers, and they never did a lot of charity, and maybe they were not grateful, so they're now born mm-hmm. in a life where there's such a lack that they're struggling. I mean, could you answer me this question? Like, do I just settle with the fact, well, I guess I'll never have any money, and let me go try and mm-hmm. find some millionaires? Because you and I both know this, <laughs> that uh, karmically, I mean, I have the fortune of being around uh, a lot of very beautiful people, whether super, super affluent or maybe super, super not affluent. And mm-hmm. I recognize that those who might not have always had a lot of abundance, Ken, that when I'm with my very super affluent friends, it is a different genre of um, energy. And, 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 and to what extent can someone who might not have that money befriend somebody of that caliber? I, I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but really mm-hmm. do we just stay stuck with this is as much as I'm going to get? And how do I measure that this is as much as I'll get in this lifetime. Okay. Yeah, uh, there are like a, two or three things I want to mm-hmm. answer one by one. So uh, one thing I learned from my Zen master is that we are born not equally. Some b- people are born with special gifts. Some uh, mm-hmm. were uh, pretty and popular among girls or boys. or You know, we know that uh, it's not fair, right? But... Uh, he said the distance to happiness is always the same. So even if you're born with, uh, you know, billion dollars, you know, silver spoons, but that doesn't guarantee. I have a f- um, friend, one of my best friends, just, uh, comes from a very wealthy family, but because of the wealth and the expectations, um, he was really spoiled uh, in so many uh, ways. I think he was destroyed in that sense. So. Uh, the distance to happiness is the same if you're making two dollars uh, a day or two million dollars a day. So uh, what it gets boiled down to is 
how how happy you are. So, mm. um, you know, money cannot buy happiness. Money can definitely buy conveniences, but you know, um, in terms of uh, happiness, we're born equal. And the other thing right. that you mentioned is, you know, some people um, have easy life. Others have difficult lives in terms of health, wealth, and and you know, education wise, we're not. Um, born equally, but um, it's almost like uh, uh, playing cars. You know, we, we we may start with like a few very bad cars uh, to start with, but that doesn't mean that we end bad, badly. So I think it's up to us. And also, um, there are many lessons that we have when we were born. Uh, for example, I don't have any lessons around money because I've been blessed with money, but I have mm-hmm. uh, other challenges. And then some some people have multiple challenges, and that's the fact. And we always always have a choice to how to react to the situation. Some people get upset. Some people feel jealousy. Some some people get depressed. And it's how how you react to the situation. And I think in that from that perspective, it's so we are so uh, equally treated by this universal law. And, and it's it's how you're going to play with uh, uh, bad cars or uh, good cars. You know, even if you start with the best cars, you could lose a game. Or you could get bored with a game. You know, some people mm-hmm. get bored with it. That's why they're, they're going into drugs. Yeah. So um, in America right now, Ken, a lot of folks, have, I've heard a lot of folks say, for example, what does this current leadership know about the poor and the downtrodden when since they've been born they've had a golden spoon in their mouth they've been jet setting they have their own helicopter their own planes they've they have no idea of what it feels like to pick up a broom um can someone really in that state help somebody who again is struggling for food in their mouth and 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 it, it isn't there like a subtle energy that is transmitted towards individuals to kind of find that encouragement because you and I know if you don't have food to eat it's hard to be happy. Mhm. Yes, I agree. And um for example, a lot of people, a lot of countries are run democratically. So the leader is chosen, you know, they're not a dictators. So uh, the leadership is chosen based on the intellect uh, and also um, uh, how they think who is appropriate for the prime ministers or or, or, or presidents. So uh, that leadership is the reflection of how smart we are. So we cannot complain about the leadership. Uh, you know, even if that person is not somebody you, you voted for, that's what mm-hmm. we get. That that's the downside of a uh, I think democracy. And so uh, whoever we choose may not be the best person, and, and somehow it's always that way. But uh, we, ha- we have to say it's better than uh, one very bad dictator. So that's, I think we have to come up with a better system to serve all of us. But okay. and on the other side, practically, um, you, you really have to um, look at it globally. I think we are in this situation, you know, you've seen... Uh, wildfires in Australia, and a lot of mm-hmm. people are just feel feel for it. So, I think uh, I'm actually writing a book on future of money, 
um, in Japanese. But hopefully it will be in English too. But, you know, the world is getting smaller. We, f we f all feel connected, so, so close to one another. And when that happens, I think this is going to happen the first time in the human history. We feel so close to our neighbors, you know, even though, like you and, you and me, we're, I don't know, 5,000, no, <laughs> more than that, 8,000 miles, yeah. we're almost on the back of the planet. Uh, and, but still, we can connect. So um, I, think, I, think, I think it's Dalai Lama uh, who said, uh, from now, your right hand feels your, your left thumb on your, on your foot. If uh, it, it's got some thorn, uh, do you feel the pain and, and pull it out? Or like uh, your big hand is saying, no, that's their fault. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing to do with me. So uh, if you feel the pain, would you go for it? I think that's where being tested. So if you're yes. feeling for the you know Haitian baby who's suffering from um, a poverty and starvation, do you feel for it? Do you, are you going to do something about it, or you're not? It's our choice, and we feel overwhelmed by what's going on. You know, we cannot put out fires by ourselves. But maybe if all of us feel responsible, accountable what's happening. To, to me, it's a Japanese way of thinking, but uh, wildfire in Australia is a rage from all of us. Mm -hmm. So if we can deal with anger and heal the pain around uh, being angry, being fiery, I think the fire will be put out. It may, you may feel it sounds very strange, but that's how we think. It's a manifestation of uh, anger. So I yes. think if we can all come together, we can come up with a um, better place. And I think it's going to happen probably within 10 years. Yeah, I agree with you. What, do you. what are your thoughts, Ken, about the bartering system? I believe that we're in a cycle and we're at this Iron Age time, which is where we're seeing a lot of the negativity in consciousness can no longer mm -hmm. sustain the elements. We can't sustain politics, science, N not even our character. It's everything is breaking down, and we're seeing that in, with proof. We're seeing that. But mm -hmm. um, after that, because energy always exists, the continuity of that, where um, the future to me seems like a, a future where we won't be worrying about 20% of the folks holding most of the money and worrying about who's born with their own personal, you know, bank account. But what are your thoughts where bartering is concerned? Do you believe that bartering is a good system and that it's a very strong possibility that we should try to understand what that means and how we can start to create a system like that? I think there are so many um, systems that we can implement. You know, I'm, I'm writing on uh, basic income, for example, that mm -hmm. um, all of us, on this planet, as long as um, we are human, we get like a thousand dollar or two thousand dollars, depending on on where you live, of um, currency every month, uh, with any without any any job or anything. Just it's a bit your basic human right. If all of us do that, I think uh, many problems will solve. But mm -hmm. you know, are we smart enough to do that, or or are we uh, even be able to talk about it is is um, something that on the agenda. So you can talk about so many different systems, but I think it's it's 
it comes down to one thing. Are we willing to share what we have? Yes. So, um, I went to Israel, and uh, I was on the uh, Lake Galeria, and um, mm-hmm. th- there's, that's where Jesus said, you know, there's no food, but uh, somehow um, there's bread and, and food everywhere. I, I, I kind of felt like all the people on the desert, they might have some food, you know, uh, in their bag. So once they felt uh, their heart is open, uh, they just surrender whatever they had. So that's why they have more food than than um, than all the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you can share what you have, all of us, and especially wealthy people, we can solve our problems in two seconds. So yeah. I think, yeah. you know, are we... Are we willing to give up what we have for the sake of humanity? That, I think that's the question we're going to be asked. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, any thoughts as to why uh, the twenty or te- the ten or twenty percent of the most wealthy in the world can actually eradicate poverty? Is there a reason yeah. why they're not catching the thought? Is there a mindset that you've recognized and? And wouldn't you say that that's almost ungrateful to live knowing, well, I'm okay and they're lazy or they're bums or or why should I go, you know? I mean, any thoughts about why is it that the thought hasn't arisen in their minds to work as a collective to remove poverty from the planet? I mean, are they just so happy with their money that their happiness is just theirs? I'm just asking you uh-huh. unique questions because yeah. this is what yeah, you know. I, I, um, yeah, <laughs> this is what a lot of people who don't have it think and talk to me about. Yes, I and I agree with uh, what you're saying, and I I've been thinking about it, uh, and I read uh, a statistics that uh, eight people who can be in the golf cart uh, mm-hmm. are just dominating half the wealth we have on the planet. Is what I read somewhere, and uh, so. You know, instead of just feeling upset with the uh, super wealthy people, we can appreciate her or, or him because they didn't uh, they didn't steal the money. They have done something, you know, um, to help people. For example, you know, all the wealthy billionaires they have done some um, huge service to the uh, to the human yes. being. Uh, whenever yes. I go, I go, I I ask who's wearing window, who's uh, using win- windows, who's wearing i uh, watch, and who's carrying. Uh, iPhones and smartphones, and everybody raises hands. That means why, you know, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were the um, most successful persons, and the Facebook. How many people are using Facebook? So, mm-hmm. the founders of the, this, these companies have helped uh, humans immensely. So, I have a feeling that at some level they feel so uh, awake, and then they're going to start spreading wealth. And I beautiful. think it's going to happen very soon. So that is instead such of just a beautiful answer. Upset, mm-hmm. Yes, you can just appreciate him or her. I always um, send blessing to super wealthy people, but someday soon they're going to know. They're going to be loved. They're going to be respected for sharing their wealth. And I feel like it's going to happen very soon. Yeah, I was um, I was in a Rolls Royce in LA getting driven to an event. And um, myself and the passenger that was traveling with me, we were having a dialogue about um, donating money to, I forgot what the cause was, maybe one of, I don't know if it was some catastrophe that happened. 
And just in the conversation, the driver was also listening. And the driver and the other passenger that was sitting next to me, who I know very well, I just won't mention the name, basically Mm -hmm. said this, well, you know, I give my money and these organizations, they pocket the money, so it's not really donation or nonprofit. And I remembered specifically, Ken, pausing and went, but because of your donation, it's paying the salary of 100, 200, 1,000 people, and those people's lives are being fulfilled and they're living it out. So whether you give the money and 40% goes to the charity, keep in mind 60% is taking care of the livelihood of hundreds or thousands of people. What are you doing with your money? And they're only doing it mm-hmm. for themselves. And he got really quiet. Mm. He got really quiet because it was a fact. I mean, you're telling you're telling folks like us who work nonprofits and who rely on donations from people that, you know, we take the money and just pocket it? Or are you able to see, well, how many lives have been served, how many jobs have been given, you know, and what have you done? And I think that's a conversation that is important to have as well, that we can understand what you just said, that bless the rich and bless the ones who are doing things, but also be open to check, what am I doing? You know, what Mm -hmm. am I doing where my money factor is concerned? Um, There is a spiritual element to money, and um, I would say that happiness is a form of spirituality, Ken, and and, and I love that. And you've given us some tools that we can use to invite that in our lives. Uh, But could you tell us anything else that you feel that our listeners would be really intrigued to hear, I mean, such as, you know, maybe how to free us from the fear around money. So maybe 2020 and beyond could be a year of of abundance. Instead of just Mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, the dollar sign, any other final thoughts that you could share with our amazing, amazing audience? Thank you um, for this opportunity. I think our life is made of memories. So um, either good ones or bad ones. And uh, I stay with a um, senior senior citizen's home for a few months when I was in my early 20s. And mm-hmm. all they talked about was the big failures, you know, how, how big they blew <laughs> when they were young. And so I, I always ask people to take a risk and just be, be who you are because we are here to share. We are, share, we are sharing what we have, what we know with other people. That makes us very happy. And if you just start doing that, money will follow. So please share your gifts. We're, every one of us is born with a certain gift. And if we just share, we shine, and then um, money will follow. So if you feel frustrated with your life, it's because you're not shining enough. So I want all of us to start shining and start appreciating one another either whether you have money or not, uh, we can appreciate um, each other more. By doing that, I think we can create totally new planet uh, in, a, in, a, in a few years. That's what I'm very excited about. And Dr. Jenna, after I had an interview, I sold 200,000 copies of Happy Money. So Happy mm-hmm. Money concept is circulating in, in the world. It's now best-selling in Dubai. So I'm very mm-hmm. happy that if all the all of us are just using money in a happy way we can change the planet so just start appreciating money coming in money going out it's all blessing us so instead of worrying about money just appreciating the money 
Thank you so much, Ken. Um, what you have shared, I'm sure, has made um, a lot of individuals listening in to be more inspired about really walking into 2020 with a good attitude and a mentality of abundance, despite what folks are hearing in the media and around the town. Are you doing any lectures, talks, or seminars anytime soon that we can know more about? So I'm happy to share with uh, what I have. So I'm going to uh, give away my books uh, nice. very shortly. So um, if you just um, check out my uh, the information on my website, Ken Honda, if you can Google, you can reach me. And um, we're going to just send you books uh, for free. Mm. And uh, oh, that will I'm be going wonderful. to teach more in Europe. Yeah, but uh, uh, hopefully I'm, I'm going to the States to share um, what I know. Oh, lovely. But we've got an upcoming opportunity coming up in October. If you hold the line, then I'll be able to come back and tell you a little bit more. Ken Honda, thank you so much for joining us on air. And do know you have a home here with America Meditating Radio. Whenever you've got some great ideas bubbling or when you've got a great book coming out or when you're planning to give away all your free copies of your amazing book. Mm-hmm. So leave us with a <laughs> website you. where we can find more information about you. And thanks again, and all the very best for 2020. Arigato, arigato, arigato. <laughs> arigato, Dr. Jenna. Thank you so much for inviting me. I had so much fun and peace with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So leave us your best website. It's at KenHonda.com. All the information is there. Okay, um, so you're at KenHonda.com. Mm-hmm. And happy money as well. Yes. Perfect. So we can get a hold of you at KenHonda.com. And uh, if anyone would like some more information about Ken and his book on happy money, don't hesitate to let him know that you heard about it here and that you're looking forward to learning more. Thank you so much, Ken Honda. All the very best. And we'll talk again real soon. So for more information from Ken Honda, please go to KenHonda.com. I love his energy. And I love the way that he looks at life. And um, he's right. Guys, be more grateful, no? Arigato, bringing it in. Arigato, spending it out. Give it a try. You won't know if it'll work unless you try. All right. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. As I've been mentioning all year, let this be a year that every hour in the hour, you pause for a moment of silence, send your good wishes to the world, to every soul on the planet. Everyone needs our good wishes. Take care, everyone. Here is Dinah Ross. Reach out and touch someone's hands. Take care, everyone.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or in iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.